Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spoiler Alert, a t- weekly talk radio show for movie and television lovers. I'm your host, Sean Dunham, and I am joined, as always, by the very enigmatic Sonia Stanger. <laughs> Dead silence from you. <laughs> I didn't know that was supposed um, to <laughs> You're right. Sorry. Um, and also, as you may know, this marks our ver- first official week of R.I.P. Jeremy. But that also means we're joined by our very special guest... Our fifth Beatle, James Brotheridge. Whee! Hi. R.I.P. Jeremy. Uh, I hope this R. is a R. beautiful P. eulogy for him. Uh, we're all here in his memory, obviously. Yes. He's in a better place now, um, teaching a class at the university. Not... <laughs> well, t- it remains to be seen if it's a better place. He'll tell us, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, thank you for joining us, James. Oh, well, thank you for having me. You know, it's been a minute. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. probably been a solid three years, four years since I've been on in any capacity, maybe. Does that make sense? Yeah. It could make sense. We have limited the the guests on the Zoom calls because we're so lazy. Yeah. That we're like, oh, explaining to someone how to do it. No. Yeah, I think you're our first you're our first at home record guest, so very uh oh, wow. big, big honor for you there. <laughs> I I do feel very special. Um I'm not looking forward to you two finding out that my cinema appreciation is just atrophied and you know, all I do is just watch Scott Atkin movies all day and all night. But uh, you know, maybe there's something else we can chat about too while we're all here, I guess. Well, this is going to be a bit of a bearing our soul show because this does not have a specific theme. This is just uh, a general what you're watching, laying bare our watchables for the last couple of weeks, um, of which, honestly, I was very busy and it's kind of scant. <laughs> I know. I, I was thinking. I was like, yeah. Sean has some stuff going on. This is a, this is a tough ask for him. <laughs> but I've got a few, you know. Um. Starting with number one, which is I went to a Shania Twain concert this weekend. <gasps> and it was very fun. And she had, she could, my my quibbles are she could have had more costume changes. She only had one. Mm. She did. Um, well, she opened the show with this sort of trickery, a bit of a Punxsutawney Phil situation where the band was playing on stage and everyone was looking and then surprise she pop all the spotlights point to the audience and she pops up from there and she performs in the uh in the audience <gasps> and then she saw her shadow and now it's six more weeks of country music and she was wearing sunglasses and a purse and i don't i'm curious if the people in the audience thought that she was just a glamorous woman in there or <laughs> yeah like i wonder at what point or she, if there was knowledge. she went in did they bring her I out don't in a know. hood just well to... she was in she did climb into a bit of a catering trolley sort of thing mm. and then they just kind of wheeled her through the crowd <laughs> this is how taylor swift is getting around her concerts isn't it like a cleaning is it? trolley or something like that yeah it's like, like an empty it's an empty cleaning trolley that yeah. they roll into the behind the stage so nobody freaks out when they see her going in you wow. get to a certain level of stardom and suddenly you're cramped into you a can't even... box to carry you around. Yeah. you're too valuable 
You're too precious. Wow, you're the the bigger you get, the smaller your box is, James. <laughs> you're right. So true. So true, Bessie. <laughs> um, but yeah, she she had uh she was wearing a like extremely amazing boots, great sunglasses, dusty pink wig, and then they like uh a bejeweled like gold and silver tuxedo like crop top with exposed tummy keeping it extremely tight uh as tight as this coffee table i am sitting in front of yeah it was that was she looked amazing you're famously famously tight coffee table we talk about that all the time sean sean tightens up the the bolts every weekend Hmm. not i'm you'll never catch my coffee table lacking (laughs) yeah can i ask was she flanked by twins? Like, did she have twin backup singers these days? She had, like, two um, very flamboyant song and dance men as mm-hmm. her backup singers. Mm. But they had choreo for they had choreo for everything. I know that the um, twins from B44 used to be her, her backup singers in Vegas, if I remember correctly. Uh, wow. Ryan Dan. Yeah. Wow. Canadian that, royalty. She loves... She likes being flanked by two gents. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, to be I. Fair? And one was like a bit of a vocalista, and then one was more of a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like it was honestly kind of a minimal show, but like mm. it was great. She played the opportunity to see Shania anytime. Yeah. 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 Well, I think you can see. I think she's coming back in November. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that my quibble is with this. The transit of Saskatoon because we were being clever and then we were like, we'll take the bus from downtown. It'll be amazing. Lickety split. Uh, and then, and a girl barfed on our bus, but that's uh. not, that's not this transit's fault. But then when we got out of the show, we waited about an hour mm. before a bus came and the, the entire parking lot basically cleared out. And <laughs> we're like, well, this was not timely for us yeah it was a good plan but it was a good plan that didn't go anywhere Mm. but anyway so queen of me tour thumbs up from me (laughs) queen of me is that what it's called yeah that's her new album wow um you know i'll let you decide for yourself whether you like the album i'll I'll have to listen i appreciate that freedom (laughs) (laughs) I won't impose my overwhelming opinion. No, it. Uh, maybe I need to get uh, uh, used to it. I don't know. Hmm. I don't want to say we need mutt back. I don't want to say it. <laughs> well, it's tough when it's... you have a run like hers that is. She was like a crossover hit in addition to being like a country star for so long, mm-hmm. and it's one of those discographies where. I would imagine being in concert, it, even if you are familiar with Shania Twain, there's probably like a few songs that pop in there that you're reminded of that were actually, you know, substantial hits at the time. And Well, like, come on over, I think out of whatever, 13 tracks, like, I think like 11 of them were number one hits. Mm. It was a very best selling mm-hmm. album. So there was a lot where I was like, oh, yeah. It was the same thing when I went to go see Burton Cummings, I'll tell you. (laughs) You know, equal stars, uh, equally keeping it tight for sure. 
Uh, but yeah. you know, went to Burton Cummings mostly because he was at tummy. the you know at the uh, exhibition, and it's just hit after hit after hit. You know, the guy just keeps pulling it out. Um, do you guys follow Canada.gov.ca? <laughs> it's a great Instagram account about uh, sort of Canadian vintagey stuff. But he did an entire series on people botching the Canadian anthem. And one of them was Burton Cummings, like <laughs> doing a bit of noodling on his piano and trying to do some uh, some re reinterpreting, and it really goes off the rails. That's fun. I will be sending that. Yeah, send that. I to don't the think group Burton yet. has a. I don't think he has a hundred percent hit rate, unfortunately. But when he does, you know, <laughs> they can all they can all be hits. Yeah, exactly. Sanya, what have you gotten eyes on this week? Well, just last night, in fact, uh, it was, of course, the grand final of the 2023 Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, oh, yes. Which regular listeners may know is a, a favorite campy event of mine where <laughs> I think almost every country in Europe. <laughs> Did you organize this? Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's my babe. Uh, my baby. Um, almost every country in Europe has a contest uh, for people within that country to submit a song. Each country chooses a song, and then there's a great big, amazing, like, basically gay Olympics of music um, Mm -hmm. to see who will be the best. Um, Okay, so spoiler alert, I will be talking about who won, so if you're (laughs) saving Eurovision, I don't know why, uh, (laughs) I'm about to say. Um, Sweden won. It was rigged. I mean, famously, Eurovision is... Very... I was going to say, famously, the scoring system is <laughs> yeah. impossible to understand. Yeah, there's like a complex dynamic of which countries always give each other all their points. Um, now, next year is the 50th anniversary of ABBA's first um, entree into Eurovision. That's how they got internationally famous. Wait, so you think it was riggery? So I think there was some riggery so that because the person who wins hosts Eurovision the next year. So I think everyone mm-hmm. voted for Sweden so that there would be a big ABBA. They probably are already planning this ABBA celebration. Um, yeah, because the Lorene, who won from Sweden, um, actually has won previously. She's only the second person in Eurovision history to win uh, again. Um, she actually won for the first time in 2012 when I was living in Sweden, um, which was very exciting. We literally partied in the streets um, after she won Eurovision just to get people some contacts. You overturned a car. They, yeah. They greased the streetlights so that you couldn't climb them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know me, Jimmy. Always trying to climb a, climb a uh, You're always line. scaling those lights. Um, but it was very fun. I watched it with a friend of the show, Tatum Lawler, and her partner, uh, who had never seen it before. And it's very fun to watch Eurovision with someone who's never experienced it before. Um, they were shocked by the production value, which is fair. Uh, it cost 11 million euro this year to produce. Uh, it, was, it was great. It was in England. It was very fun. Finland was robbed. Moldova was robbed. There were some robberies happening. Um, but they have opened the voting to international voting now, which I think is very interesting. Um, but it's tricky because it's split 50, 50 between like the country's jury votes and then the public's vote. And so those country points still kind of hold the sway. So yeah, 
Mm-hmm. It was very fun. Very I mean, each country has like different amounts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, there's you have yeah. like your you have like one to twelve points to give. So like whoever you give like your twelve points to is the big, big thing. Have so you, Sonia, Jim? Have you? Ever, yeah. No, you go. Uh, you're saying that like Sweden robbed a couple countries. What was uh, what was Sweden's song like, and why was it so unworthy? Well, I mean, it was fine. Like it was a. It was a kind of interesting, like, poppy ballad. It was a little darker. Um, Mm -hmm. I just don't think it was the best one. Like, um, the staging was kind of cool. She had, like, I don't know, she kind of looked, (laughs) Tatum put it that she looked like she'd been lost in a desert for a long time, but then had been, like, glammed up. She had this, like, really tight, like, nude kind of, like, bodysuit that was, like, had these like cutout cutouts all over and she had these like really long pointy nails they looked like overgrown kind of claws and then like really long kind of stringy extensions at the end they kind of looked like multiple rat tails (laughs) so it was like interesting to look at and she has a very beautiful voice like the the song she won with in 2012 is like very kind of operatic but um yeah it just wasn't the most exciting I feel like there was some folks do you, doing more interesting things. How do you become the person that sings the Eurovision song? There's like, a contest within the country. So multiple people. So not people. only is there mm-hmm. an audition for the song, but then an audition for the performer. They The performers right? bring the songs. Oh. Yeah. Like I so kind I of think imagine like each a... country has like a committee that's like in charge yeah. of figuring out like what their Eurovision song and performer is going to be kind of like yeah how in the Oscars um every country chooses uh, like what movie will represent them at the Oscars even if those committees are are dumb and don't always understand yeah. what the best thing is yeah 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 it's very that and I think like it's it's a whole like industrial complex honestly like the process starts so many months before even like the finals it's so funny watching like the four hours. We didn't even watch the whole thing. We kind of skipped through some of the voting. Um, but like the whole four hours of the final and being like, there's been two like four hour semifinals, like multiple quarterfinals, and then all of the like within the country stuff first. Like it's just, it's, I think as non Europeans, it's hard for us to understand like how big of a deal this truly very silly and hilarious event is. Weirdly, and I applaud it. <laughs> it really reminds me of this Radio Can show that I can't remember the name of, but the premise is each week they have three singers from three different generations, and it's all in French, and I can't remember what like we call like Zoomers or whatever <laughs> in in French, but they each like have like one big production number where it's like very dressed up and everything like that and the crowd is segmented into each of the generation and so like the millennials will decide whether or not they like the generation x person's song and then give them a vote uh from there uh so i think you know quebec is probably producing our version of oh yeah uh, of this is what i'm saying you know like honestly quebec should get to be in it like if australia and israel are in it why not Quebec? I think Quebec has the Quebec? spirit. Yeah. For sure. I mean, Celine Dion um, did perform in Eurovision for Switzerland once upon a time. So they should let us no. in. I don't know yeah. how that worked. 
Like there, but I don't. I imagine with Eurovision, there's so many politics to everything that, you know, they they'll find some loophole to kind of edge people like that in if they need to. A hundred percent. Well, I mean, last year I think it was Flo Rida performed for like San Marino or something. Like it was some tiny oh. country, and it was like I don't understand what the rules are that you could have Flo you know Rida. Famous for- San Marino yeah. native Flo yeah. Rida. Well, yeah. but we could if Quebec submitted like remember j'imagine mm. <laughs> that like olympic song like that would have slayed yeah that was everywhere <laughs> this kind yeah. of sounds like how the world baseball classic operates where you know when it comes to canada freddie freeman can play first base because his mom was canadian and you know there's like a half dozen players who are jewish so they will go play for israel and you know mm. get to start there yeah so funny yeah james what else did you watch this week or in the last weeks. Oh, well, thanks for opening it up like that. You know, <laughs> speaking of Celine Dion, I watched this in the past couple months, uh, and I'm curious if you two are familiar with this, but there's a French film called Aline. Are you either of you familiar oh, with this? Oh, I am very much familiar with it, but I've not seen it because mm-hmm. I'm kind of scared. Okay. I've heard of it, but it I is, seen it. It is on DVD, and it, you can get it at uh, from your Regina Public Library if you want to take it out that way. Uh, but you know, it was a, it's a Celine Dion pseudo biopic, uh, and it did open at Cannes and I was very curious, uh, and something about Cannes is that like, I think French films just have a, a much easier route to opening at Cannes, obviously. Um, and I think that probably impacted Aline because it is just, uh, an insane film <laughs> at some points because it is this French comedian who is middle-aged uh, who is uh, performing as like this version of Celine Dion, um, but she's not being funny. Uh, she does have like a family, like the Celine Dion family, who are kind of like portrayed as these like Quebecois bumpkins uh, that is like half offensive. Uh, but the really wild thing with this movie is um, rather than bring on a child actress uh, to kind of do the different points in <laughs> Celine Dion's life, uh, they did. You know, they did like kind of hobbit tricks, like where they did perspective tricks for this yeah. middle-aged woman to play like a little girl, and it's all played <laughs> so deadly straight. It is. I think the fact that they're yeah playing it straight like that would be terrifying. Yeah, that's yeah. It's you. You just want somebody to blink and say like, yeah, you can laugh at this. Like we're having a little bit of fun, but there's just nothing like that at all. Like all throughout Alien, it's uh, it's very very serious and. Uh, just very very odd thing to exist out in the world and you, you're not quite sure who that's for yeah that's that's exactly my question like who is this for <laughs> the Celine <laughs> diehards I feel like they would want to have fun with it yeah but you know like even like the Celine diehards like it's it's just a it's just an odd thing to open the film in such an off-putting way to see like a middle-aged woman's on like a tiny face on a tiny body you know, <laughs> if you're a Celine diehard too, wouldn't you be kind of mad that it's a, sort of an unauthorized mm. thing? Well, like her management, like apparently didn't say no is the kind of general word <laughs> on it. Glad. And like they got her songs, like they perform all the songs and there's like, so, like she's lip syncing oh. to uh, another performer who sang everything who like sounded, sounded good and comparable. But um and Aline's so like version yeah it's you know there's just so many kind of levels of disconnect where 
you're not even really sure how to interpret a lean at every turn, I think. Sounds fast. I thought you were going to talk about, there's like a, a Priyanka Chopra. Um, like a rom-com, isn't it? Rom-com yeah. with Celine Dion in it. And all the soundtrack is all Celine Dion songs. Oh. It's like, I think the plot from, from what I've surmised from a trailer is that um, someone, a man dies and his wife is like texting the phone that he had, but then one to be like, miss you. And then, oh, someone answers. And then it's a meet cute. Oh. And then it's all to the, it's all to a Celine Dion soundtrack. It's not like a Olivier Asias uh, personal shopper thing where there's a ghost texting Kristen Stewart. That's It's not a ghost thing. <laughs> Well, you know, I shouldn't say that because I don't. I don't know at this point. Could be a ghost thing. Sean spreading misinformation again. (laughs) Classic Sean. This this is not like a a last Christmas where you could tell she she was a ghost or he was a ghost (laughs) from the trailer. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, I guess it is a bit of a hint when he wears the exact same outfit. But it was a a good looking fit. Like it cut a pretty good, Mm. uh, you know pretty good image for henry golding there so i I get it if you get something that good just keep wearing it i mean to be fair henry golding could wear a paper bag but oh god yeah last christmas i gave you my heart (laughs) i feel like they really were like (laughs) yeah it literally sounds actually it sounds like something we would do for the game honestly like that's literally how i play the game yes exactly that is what i felt as well (laughs) Um, so I watched a film this week called, from 2003, called Calendar Girls. <gasps> a classic. <laughs> I had never seen it before, and I don't know what, I, some, I was talking to somebody and they were talking about it, and I was like, well, that sounds very sweet and uh, unchallenging for myself this week. <laughs> so I watched it. It's about Helen Mirren is a Yorkshire housewife along with uh, Julie Walters as her friend. And then Julie Walters' dad, her dad, husband dies of leukemia. Um, and it's very sad. And then they were like, well, we should raise money for the leukemia wing because it's really underfunded. And then they get this idea to make a nude calendar, but they're all women of a certain age. And they, so they get a bunch of their f- friends from the Women's Institute, and they all make silly little poses of like, in the garden or with a, a cake or whatever sort of traditional um traditional old lady calendars except that they are like nude and and then they hit it really big and then they go to hollywood they meet anthrax the band at the pool um, not the powder <laughs> then they all die of anthrax poisoning it is like early 2000s you know that's the time yeah. i guess yeah I, I it's a good thing they'd made the intro. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have recognized it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh really, Sean, that's not in your wheelhouse. <laughs> no. There's not there's not a lot of bands that I think I could clock if they were sitting around the pool talking to like the aunt from Downton Abbey, who's <laughs> also in that. Um so anyway, it's very it's so cliched, but it's so cute and charming. And I had a great time with it. And I'd never heard of it before. I don't know why. Can I ask what's like beyond the idea of, you know, 
getting naked? Like, what's the obstacle? Like, is there like a... Well, so Helen Mirren's character is very flighty, kooky-looky. And her she's having very obvious problems with her husband and son where they feel that she like they're not getting any time with her or anything and her and then she keeps pouring herself into the calendar and going to hollywood and kind of making herself a bit more famous and then julie walters is annoyed with her because she's like hey your husband might just die out of the blue like mine and you're out here being rude so that was the and then they literally had a small conversation and fixed it that was like the the big crux the emotional crux Mm -hmm. you know i don't want to downplay anyone's experience but you know helen mirren longtime smoke show so she's got to share that with the world like yeah exactly exactly and she do she do get those mirrors out (laughs) in the (laughs) in this film if that's something that you are looking for you can see him i I don't remember that yeah i'm like let me write this down (laughs) And she's got her traditional Helen Mirren bouncy little bob. Mm. That's part and, of it for me. Uh, it is. Her just like run and skitter scatter bob bouncing. It's really, she's great. Is her husband somebody fun? I bet her husband is Kieran Hines. Ah, uh, that's good. I like that. Mm. And, he, and he gets tricked into talking to a tabloid reporter about how much sex they're not having. And then he's like, I'm just a small town man. I had no idea. <laughs> Big city journalist was getting in here and yeah. Were they the parent Belfast too? Like I know it was Sharon Hines, but I can't remember who the older lady was in Belfast. I shouldn't ask questions that I don't know the answer to. I'm sorry about that. I was going to say, it's Judy Dench. I never saw Belfast, but I. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I, oh, I can't remember who it was. We don't need to dwell on it, I guess. I don't think it was Helen audiences mad. No, I don't think we'll it was look it up in the, We'll look it up in the break, audience. Don't fret. You're probably we googling don't want to it leave already. Leave them hanging. Um, do we have a a, a briefer? A, a I can quickie? do I can do a quickie, but no one will want to hear about at length. <laughs> I have nothing interesting to say about. But wow, it has been consuming most of my time that I would be watching something, and that is, I have been nonstop playing the new Legend of Zelda game, Tears of the Kingdom. Just like Tears seemingly everyone else on Earth, um, it's very funny to me seeing all the images of like people lining up at stores and stuff because you can fully just download it onto your Switch. Um, but I guess that's not like why people do it. Like it's part of the experience. But it's very fun. Um, it's a sequel to the previous Zelda game, Breath of the Wild, and it like is quite similar in a lot of ways, but just with new fun stuff. Um, it's so pretty and like vibey and I just love running around as a little like elfish twink and a little in my little tunic fighting little monsters <laughs> and solving little puzzles. I could do it forever. I almost failed on Mother's Day supper tonight and said I had a stomach ache so that I could keep playing, but I made the right choice and did not do that. Wow. Dawn cannot hear this. <laughs> yeah, I told her as soon as I got there. I was like, this is how much I love you. I did not do a bad thing. Well, everyone, please text your mother and say hi. (laughs) Yeah. Because we have got to go to break. And we'll be right back. 
to Spoiler Alert on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. And we're back to Spoiler Alert on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. We'll be back talking film and television in just a minute, but first we'll play a little game, lovingly called The Game. It's game time, people. What? Wow. Ah. I've got to do all the things now. Um, in case you <laughs> don't know. is stressed out. So There's a bead of sweat rolling down her <laughs> I am cheek. actually a little sweaty. I rode my bike right before we started the show. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, okay. Uh, in case you don't know, or if you're just tuning in, the game is where I, Sonia, always me and never Jeremy, spend all mm-hmm. week looking for a title that these two have not seen. I t- uh, they tell me what they think it's about. I tell them what it's really about. And we all have a great time. Are you two ready to play the game? I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Ooh, okay, Jimmy. You're being inducted. I can't remember if you've played before. I think you have. Yeah, yeah I've played before. He must all right, have. Okay, if you're well, on this show, yeah, true. on this show, you play. <laughs> We're just like, Jim, you can't play with us. Uh, okay, today's title is Paint. That title again, Paint. Okay, so I have paint. never seen Paint before, and I'm trying to mm-hmm. guess at what this movie yeah. is about. And I think I probably definitely know what this movie is about. I think Paint is actually a My Left Foot prequel. Where we learn about oh. the materials the artist was using before it came to, you know, I think Daniel Day-Lewis uses his foot to paint with uh, with the paint. <laughs> but I think it's that kind of journey, you know. It's uh, following the production line, and I, I don't know what actually goes into paint. I think there's, like, latex in some paints. He might have been using, he might have used another kind of paint, but that's, that's why you watch the movie to find out. And that's paint the movie. Incredible. So it's sort of a how-it's-made situation. Well, you know, it's it's kind of lyrical, you know? You you don't mm. really think about how these things happen and the streams that the things that we use, to, like the paths they take to get to us and, you know, all the hands that touch them and all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful, Jim. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Sean? Okay. I believe that this is this film takes place in, like, the late 1800s and it's about one of the first makeup formulators and it's this man who is a kind he's a disturbed genius he is kind he it's a very dark and broody you know very opium vibes steampunk and (laughs) streets of london it's foggy and uh disgusting jack the ripper is running amok but he is like he is figuring out thing ways to make uh to make his paint and uh yeah it's just the sort of torture genius of this makeup maker incredible thank you sean is jack the ripper a main character i think jack i think that he has a brush with jack Mm -hmm. yeah you have to it's sort of like a backdrop like the the sort of terror of jack the ripper is the context yeah Mm. well i don't even know Jack doesn't need to be in it. <laughs> he doesn't have to be. Sean, if he if you want but, him to be, he can be. I know. I just in my mind that is the era that I was going for. But you know, what do we? He's he's had he's already had that Johnny Depp movie. Maybe mm. we've given Jack all he needs. All he right, deserves. Right. 
Yeah, well, uh, I'm sorry to say that you are both wrong in all ways and forms. I forget how Jer said that. Every way and form. <laughs> all shapes no. and sizes and forms <laughs> and ways. Um, Paint is a new movie that just came out this month. Uh, starring one Owen Wilson, and the description is this. Oh, I do know. I know this. Carl Nargle, a local treasure with a soothing whisper Sorry? of a voice, <laughs> hosts his own painting show on Vermont Public Television. His art has attracted the attention of many women over the years, especially those who work at the station. However, when a new painter gets hired to revitalize the channel, Carl's own fears regarding his talents as an artist are brought to the forefront. So, uh, if you look, it's not at, Bob Ross. It's, it's Carl Nargle. Yeah, <laughs> is that what um, you're saying? To but me? if you look at like the image, the like poster, he's wearing a full-on Bob Ross wig. Like it's clearly, it's clearly some allusion to Bob Ross. Um, it does have a 31 percent on Rotten Tomatoes and a 45 percent on Metacritic. So I guess it's technically a pass, a slim pass. Um, there are some very angry Google reviews. Uh, people are upset Angry. about the perversion of Bob's story. Oh, oh my God. Um, but honestly, I might watch this, to be fair. Don't they know it's Carl Nargle's story? Yeah, Carl Nargle. It's funny because it's like, that's not even really an analog. Like, no. I guess it's funny. It sounds kind of funny. It is funny. That's true. Um, but like, is Nargle a traditional name it, of anyone? It's, a, it's one of the monsters from Harry Potter or like the creatures. So I don't know. That's a Nazgul. No. Nazgul. Oh, is there a Nargle? Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Nargles, well, I think, are actually maybe even a fictional creature in Harry Potter. But anyway, we don't need to give that franchise any more of our brain time. Um Interestingly, the director, Brett McAdams, uh, who I've never heard for, his main credits um, are some Cat Williams specials. So, oh. interesting oh. That, that this is what he went on to do. Um, you know, I think Cat Williams, Owen Wilson, too, Kindred Spirits. Yeah. I think they approach Absolutely. life in much the same way. Honestly, a similar level of like whimsy. Yeah, Wilson definitely. and Williams. Yeah, Wilson, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you both for playing the game. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you, Sonia. So welcome. And now we'll be back to more watchable roundups of this last few weeks. James, what else have you been watching? What else have I been watching? Well, you know, every year I try to take on kind of a few projects. Just kind of low-key throughout the year, chisel away at them a little bit, you know? And, like, in past years, I've done, like, a Dean Martin. In past years, I've watched the movies of Mike Lee, because I'm a really fun guy. Um, <laughs> one of my projects this year <laughs> is William Powell. Uh, how familiar are you two with William Powell? Minorly. Minorly. Yeah. Would I've you recognize the, the silhouette? He's got, like, the nose that goes out, and, uh, you know, he looks... Like, he kind of came in as a man who was already middle-aged by the time he kind of reached stardom. I love that vibe. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a great vibe. Uh, but yeah, like, kind of some of his big movies, you know, like, I'd seen My Man Godfrey before, which is a movie where uh, he kind of uh, takes on the air and the position of a butler. 
uh, for some period of time while actually being a rich man. What a reversal. Um, <gasps> but that's kind of undercover yeah. boss. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but like that's kind he of has part a show of, on TLC. It, yeah, it was a reality show, and uh, you know, <laughs> he did debut that way. Uh, but that's kind of like part of his appeal. Uh, he's a actor who can be suave and very attractive, and sometimes like very sexual, while also kind of being like a bit of a common guy. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I've heard like his appeal kind of described as you know he could like dress in a tux and then go down and play a ra- round of pool or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, like I've just been running through some of his movies. And so I've gotten into the Thin Man movies, which is really fun. Uh, I'd always been a fan of like Dashiell Hammett's detective fiction. And the Thin Man movies are um, Dashiell Hammett's married couple uh, where one used to be a detective. And as a well-to-do couple, they kind of get pulled back into the detective game on occasion. And so Powell and Myrna Loy did these movies where they would just drink and quip and have a small adorable dog and they would solve a mystery by the end of each of them and it's just a really I fun love entertainment. That. Yeah. Well yeah. It's just like a format that feels enduring. Any day you should just be able to do that. Just it, it's pretty much mystery movie with Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler, but you know, a different uh, level of dress and there's a dog. God. <laughs> a different level of dress is yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. A, a slightly bit, different a vibe. Bit. um beyond that you know other films like he did a lot of like mysteries and he did a lot of pairings with uh kind of notable actresses like he did a ginger rogers uh the ex-mrs bradford where they had broken up and she continually tries to get back with him throughout the course of the movie and so william powell gets to be a little withholding which you know Mm. if you think Ginger Rogers being present and William Powell being withholding is kind of sexy. Like, hey, that's your that's your whole bag. That's great. You're, you're doing <laughs> awesome. Yeah, um, I can get into that. Yeah. Uh, and probably my favorite of the bunch so far is one of his early ones, Jewel Robbery, where um, he is a suave, uh, elegant jewel robber. Uh, and there's a woman who's present during one of his jewel robberies at a jewelry store who just immediately finds him attractive because he is this uh, kind of, you know, very easygoing and very kind of gentlemanly uh, criminal. Uh, And the movie doesn't really have like a turn where he needs to kind of come to the light or anything like that. The movie can really just kind of find itself in William Powell uh, doing the things that make him attractive on screen and, you know, a woman finding him attractive uh, for that, for the entire length of the movie, which is incredible and uh, very, very fun. So he just remains jewel robber. Yeah. The, I love that. Yeah. Don't change. Don't change. Don't change him. No, no, no. Too many people change these days. I think, Mm. you know, uh, like, well, that's one of the nice things about the pre-code movies, because, you know, after the code, you know, all the criminals needed to get their comeuppance in the end. And so you'd get mm-hmm. yeah. five minutes of a bitter pill at the end. But pre-code, William Powell could just be hot on screen and he could stay hot on screen. And that's, uh, <laughs> you know, beautiful. I love it. Yeah, I love that for him. And I do miss the era when you had a bounty of jewels to steal. 
Oh. I don't even know where I'd find. <laughs> where do I find a jewel? Go to England. Paris Jewelers. Yeah. <laughs> I have to. Go to England and steal <laughs> them all back. And then redistribute them to the countries they stole them from. Does it have the paperwork? I don't know if I'd be able to. You know? That's a good point. That's a good point. Only steal jewels that have like Wikipedia pages. Because I bet there's yeah. that's probably a fun rabbit hole to run down. Just jewels owned by Britain where there are Wikipedia pages present for them and confirm lineages that uh, show that they've been stolen. I bet there's a few. I bet there's, there's a, a few. few. Yeah. Yeah. Sonia, what, what else has been on your plate? Um, well, I have finally got some eyes on a show I've been meaning to watch since it came out. Um, I think earlier this year is when it when it uh, first aired. And that is a CTV original, which I'm so excited to say um, and actually be talking about something exciting. <laughs> and that CTV is... CTV original? Shelved. Have you guys heard of this? Mm-mm. It's... Familiar a little? I thought familiar. It, is it? Is it a... No, I'm not familiar. Please, It is ahead. a workplace comedy set in a library. So... Okay, well, that's fine. Sign mm-hmm. me right up. Um... So it's it's very much in the style of, you know, an Abbott Elementary, The Office, Parks and Rec. Like, that's the immediate comparison that everyone draws. Um, it's set in a, like, very underfunded kind of inner city Toronto library. Um, and it's just really charming and wholesome and sweet. And at the same time, speaking some, like, very important truths about the current moment that we're kind of in and like talking about kind of libraries as this really important public institution. Um, it's really fun. It's, it's available on Crave now, um, which is nice. And you can also stream it through the CTV app, but it's nicer to watch it on Crave without the ads. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it was created by Anthony Q. F- uh, Farrell, who did write on the office and who has, like, created some other stuff. Um, Overlord and the Underworld is another thing of his. He worked on Secret Life of Boys. Um, and he was a writer on The Office. And so, yeah, it uh, it also stars um, an acquaintance of mine, uh, Dakota Ray oh. uh, Hebert, who is originally from Meadow Lake. She's a, a Diné actress and performer who I know through theater stuff. Um, and she plays Jack, uh, this like kind of, I don't know, she's kind of the like sarcastic, like she's, she's described, we're introduced to her character. Yeah. She's kind of the Aubrey Plaza, but like a little nicer maybe. Um, Mm -hmm. and we're introduced to her as like the only one in the library who's, who knows anything about social media. Like that's kind of, she's kind of the, the tired millennial of the group. Um, so yeah, it's, it's extremely charming. Um, there's only eight, the, the first season is only eight episodes, so it's a pretty quick watch. Um, but yeah, it's just, like, would strongly recommend. Is there that a will-they-won't-they they crazy kid situation going on? There is a will-they-won't-they. They. Um, it's actually, it's, it's, I think probably it was in production before, well, maybe not. I don't know. I'm hesitant to overly draw the comparisons to Abbott Elementary because I feel like that does the show a bit of a disservice. But there is like 
uh, a world they won't day. Well, a new a, like a fish out of water, um, like new guy gets transferred to the branch, and then there's yeah. a will they won't they with him, and he reminds me very much of one of the characters from Abbott Elementary. Um, yeah. So if you like that kind of like you know mockumentary like workplace comedy, which you know we our cup runneth over with those in the last while, but. I don't know. If it ain't broke, don't fix it is kind of my feeling on that. As long as they're still mm-hmm. bringing something fresh. You know, you sound overwhelmingly positive about this. And I, I love it. I'm wondering, how crazy are these kids? Like, are they... <laughs> is it obvious to everyone but them? Or are they, are they sprinkling it in a little bit more, uh, more judiciously than that? Yeah, it's pretty judicious. And to the point that it's, like, explicitly expressed by some of the characters so like they maybe could have done a bit more of a slow burn on the will they won't they with the crazy kids but um yeah it's is nice there anyway. an, is there an esteemed older actress Cheryl Lee Ralph sort of character there it well kind of it's a different different kind of like font of older actress mm-hmm. doing their thing um it's Robin Duke who you would maybe recognize if you like saw a picture of her, she was on SCTV and she's like, I feel like she's a character actress that's been in a lot of stuff. Like as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh, her. Um, and she actually plays um, Wendy. So the, the branch director is named Wendy. And then there's also Wendy, the regular patron, who's an unhoused uh, person. Um, and just the way that they kind of like navigate her storyline and that aspect of of her life I think is really great like I feel like they really thread the needle of like talking about important stuff without it just being like an after school special where it feels really preachy and just like yeah I don't know clunky and it's maybe like I would say okay since I'm being so overwhelmingly positive there are moments where I'm like this is this is a little bit corny but for me I'm I'm here for a corny workplace comedy about the library. Like, I don't know. It's very You're sweet. You're good with corn. Yeah. 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 I think in a short run, it's probably a little bit tougher to still hit some of those emotional beats that you want to do over, like, a season and have it be, like, a half-hour sitcom. Because something like Superstore can get yeah. to labor and can do its central romance and can kind of push characters along but it also had 22 episodes a season and so it had the space to just be like okay glenn's just going to do a funny voice this week and that's the whole episode (laughs) and we can give ourselves some room to breathe whereas if you have eight episodes that's a that's a tough uh that's a tough thing and if they're kind of doing that successfully things moving yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah i would encourage listeners to like go and watch it because we want more like this is the kind of thing, it's like, we want to invest in this Canadian production. I would guess the eight episodes is maybe a reflection of some, like, tentativeness on CTV's a part. To see, see how it goes. season. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's funny you mentioned Superstore, Jim. I feel like it does, it definitely gives me some Superstore vibes. And it does one of the same things that Superstore, I think, did really effectively, which is the little, like, very short moments of patrons doing absolutely unhinged things which if you have never worked in retail or like worked at a library or I guess spent a lot of time at a library you maybe wouldn't believe that people would actually do but in fact that is that is what they be doing 
<laughs> like, you know, clipping your toenails in the aisles or something. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I do worry that the folks at the RPL believe that I'm some kind of serial killer. It's just like, <laughs> oh, this guy put in a hold for every Rennie Harlan movie we have in the system, and they're all being shipped at once. <laughs> What's wrong with this guy? <laughs> RPL staff weigh in. Yeah. You, you know the guy. What What is your nickname for him, and is it positive? I hope so. I'd um, like to believe so. <laughs> I'm so. sure it is. So I have, I was like, I, I kind of want to go to the movies again. This is, And I was looking at the things in theater, and everything is a sequel right now. It's literally Book Club 2, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Evil Dead, like, 960, John Wick 4, Fast 10. I'm like, this is wild. Um, but something that has really caught my attention is the trailer for a little film called Big Fat Greek Wedding 3, <gasps> uh, where they all go to Greece, although no sign of Lady Kazan, mm. no sign of Dad, but a lot of Aunt Vula work Andrew Martin is very much in the trailer. So, and John Corbett is there too. I'm, I don't know. It looks, it looks very fun. Big Fat Wedding, Greek Wedding 2. <laughs> I went with, uh, with Christy in theater and it was ridiculous, but also we had a great time. So, you know, I could have fun here. I'm trying to think if I've seen the second one. What's the premise of the second one? The second one is that the parents find out that they weren't legally married. Yeah, I have. And so, the, and so then Lady Kazan is like, "We're a hippie," and then <laughs> they have, and then they have a wedding. But then there's the like, should we even get legally married? Yeah. So what I'm hearing is I should do a rewatch of the first two and then go see the third one. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm. That's what I'm hearing as well. Yeah. Would it be weird for Bridget Jones and My Big Fat Greek Wedding to cross over? Or are those completely separate properties? Do we not feel that there's any similarity whatsoever? No, there's similarity. Like diary? Yeah. Yeah. Big Fat Greek diary? Like, I think we're still in the space where we can do some, like, kind of, you know, cinematic universes. Like, like it'd be too easy to say, like, Book Club and 80 for Brady could be together. But, you know, something like My Big Factory Wedding and Bridget Jones, that feels natural. Mm. Well, Big Book Club and 80 for Brady, I think, share the Venn diagram of the actresses in there. is basically a circle. Yeah. So that would be tough for them. Maybe you could bring in Palms with Jackie Weaver. You know? Yes. That would help uh, spice it up a little bit. Diane Keaton and Jackie Weaver pop in. Hmm. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. One more from each, if you guys have any. Oh, okay. I defer to Jim as the guest. Ah, uh, well, like, rapid fire here, because I don't know how much time we have no, left. No, 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 no. No? You fire. take your time. Oh, well, I've already, I think you, I got three, yeah. so you go. Okay, well. Yeah, you stretch your legs. We've got, we've got time. You know, let me really get my sea legs here and uh, kind of feel myself for a bit. Um, <laughs> not on camera. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Have you folks discussed Magic Mike's Last Dance on the show? I'm not sure. No, and we should. No. And have I you have... seen it? Or 
No, I actually I didn't saw... know it existed until recently. Oh, I saw Magic Mike Two XXL. It was incredible. One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. one of the one of the best films, honestly. Like, not joking that I saw that year. I had so much fun. But then, I word on the street was that there was like the same director that did number one. It was like the same director did one and three, and then a different director did two or something like that. Yes. And so then apparently the third one is a little more is not as is not as full of fun and camp as as it should be of in a film about uh a stripper on a road trip or whatever yeah well yeah that that's correct like so gregory jacobs directed the second one and he is steven soderbergh's one of his regular dps i think or maybe like one of his regular first 80s or something like that um and that like magic mike xxl came at a time when steven soderbergh said he was retiring from directing movies altogether uh, and that's when he was just doing TV stuff. Um, and I think a lot of people assume that Steven Soderbergh shadow directed a decent chunk of Magic Mike XXL because he was like mm-hmm. still involved in writing. He was still the DP, like Steven Soderbergh flipped over to DP for Magic Mike XXL. But it is just wild because there is such a kind of stark difference between one and three and two. Like where two is like an ensemble movie. And everyone kind of gets their moment to shine. And the big final number is like kind of a series of final numbers that you see in in full. And it kind of like delivers on everything that you want. Um, Three is kind of, it's kind of like oddly formed a bit. Like the plot of three is that Magic Mike has lost his furniture business. I'm sorry if you were really invested in that from (laughs) Magic Mike 2. Didn't know he had one, honestly. Well, that's, that's, he's, you know, when uh, Pony comes out in two, he's doing the numbers with, yeah. uh, while he's building furniture and, uh, you know, it's, it's, really, oh yes. You know yeah. what? You're right. Thank you. This is ringing a bell. <laughs> <laughs> um, this has sparked something. And so in, at the start of three, he is uh, a bartender, uh, and he comes into contact with, uh, Salma Hayek. And I'm sorry, I can't remember Salma Hayek's full name anymore. Cause there's another last name on there now. So oh, apologies yeah. for that. Um, Don't yeah, write she in is, Salma. Yeah, she is. Uh, she's a rich lady, uh, and she and Magic Mike hit it off, and she brings Magic Mike to London to put on one big blowout show. Um, and part of the issue here is that you know he brings together uh, a new cast of dancers, like Magic Mike does, uh, but like I don't know even know how many of them get named, and like we don't really know mm. any of them. And then, again, like, Steven Soderbergh doesn't seem as invested in kind of the actual pleasure of some of these dances as, you know, Gregory Jacobs or Gregory Jacobs and Steven Soderbergh were in Magic Mike XXL. Um, But one of, like, the really cool parts, I think, of Magic Mike's last dance, uh, one is just seeing Channing Tatum again because he just connects so easily. Like, he starts talking to somebody and it's like he is just so in it in the conversation with the person it's a beautiful beautiful thing and you can understand why like he was probably a really great male stripper when he was doing that back in the day because he just connects with people it's just beautiful um and at the same time salma hayek is kind of a classic magic mike female character where she is being pulled in so many directions and she doesn't have a clear trajectory to her life but the movie isn't kind of portraying her as 
like kind of flighty or indecisive or somebody who needs like somebody with magic mic arms to push her in a direction or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It really just kind of lets her be in the space and the connection between her and Channing Tatum is, is really great. Um, so yeah, like Magic Mike XXL is a is kind of a masterpiece, but uh, Magic Mike's Last Dance is at least worth seeing if uh, if it does kind of come across your come across your table. Mm-hmm. Um, nice choice of words there, <laughs> and <laughs> um, I do want to see it. Although I have heard the critiques are that the gang that you get to know that you're like, yay, the gang's coming back. They do not come back, and that is. <laughs> A detriment, yeah. I would think. They come back in you want to... this form where, like, you know, you get to see Big D, Ricky, you know, on a Zoom call. That's as far as you get, unfortunately. And, yeah, sad. Yeah. Okay, well, I, we got to wrap up, James. But thank you so much for coming and being with us. And, spoiler alert, you're coming back next week. Woo! We got I love it. it. So you haven't Let's heard the it. last... You haven't heard the last of him. Okay. We'd like to thank Saskatoon's The Garys for letting us use their song management for our theme song. We'd like to thank everyone here at CJTR and all of you at home for letting us your ears. We are broadcast Wednesdays at 6, Fridays at 3, and are available as a podcast on Spotify, Apple Play, and everywhere else podcasts are played. We're on Twitter, Facebook, on Instagram, so give us a follow, and have a good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.